Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Livia's Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Breitkopf, and I've got a great topic I'm really excited about today, and so I have one of my favorite guests on again. This is Leanne Schwartz. Leanne, how you doing? Great, thanks. Thank you for being here. We're going to talk about uh, kind of a pet peeve of mine and something where a lot of my students get really stressed out and frustrated and excited and nervous uh, because I think they overplay it, and I think you're kind of going, we're going to be on the same page here. And this is about... Um, uh, the numbers, the numbers that go into the college application process. And I'm specifically talking not about GPA or SAT or the regular numbers that most people think about, but those highfalutin extra numbers, AP tests and scores, subject SAT subject tests, and other things like that that are supplemental to the core application pieces. Okay. So in your experience, um, how important has AP classes and AP testing been uh, to your students and their college application process? To them, probably very important. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. To, from my perspective, not as important. Okay, well, uh, let's talk about that. Um, I, I would just kind of say that it's almost becoming so commonplace to have AP classes and scores and SAT uh, subject tests that it is not as highly regarded as it would have been 10, 20 years ago. Okay. Um, not to say that, that you shouldn't put them on your application because it does show extra work and that you're taking a rigorous load, but I wouldn't, um, especially senior year, stress out from what you can't control that you didn't take you know, junior year or, or sophomore year. So does that mean that conversely, AP classes and AP tests are now table stakes? Like since everybody's doing it, if you don't do it, you're at a disadvantage? So I haven't thought of it that way. Um, possibly, I, I just I don't see the advantage of it as being, um, you know, as cutthroat as it once was. Right. Um, it's helpful, yes, and again to show that you are willing to take the extra steps and challenge yourself and take rigorous classes. Um, what is not helpful sometimes, and it seems to be sort sort of a trend, is. Students are taking AP classes and getting all A's, but then taking the tests and not scoring so well. Mm. So colleges can see through that and may actually then look at that in the negative light instead of a positive light because right. it shows that maybe your class was easy. Maybe there's easy grading going on in the class. That's why you have all A's, but you only have a three or something. On right. So just so folks at home are listening, uh, who are listening are not as familiar with the AP test, the advanced placement test is a test uh, written and administered by the college board. There's a whole course and program. There's dozens of AP exams and AP classes that go with them. And the, when you take the AP exam, it is a standardized test. Uh, it's usually three hours long. Many of them have essays. And it's scale, scored on a scale of one to five. One and two are failing scores. Three is passing, but it's not considered particularly useful or prestigious. Fours are passing and very good. Five are passing and excellent. And some schools even give credit or possibly even course credit for it uh, when you go to that school. So I, from, my, from my perspective, just so you know where I'm coming from, Leanne, I took four AP classes in high school, um, and I took them uh, all senior year. Okay. I took AP English, and I got to admit, it was in the late 80s, and uh, I graduated in 1990, so I don't remember if I took AP Lit or AP Composition, and so that means there's two different English APs, uh, literature or composition. I think it was composition because of the number of essays I wrote, but I, I can't really remember. Okay. I'd have to look up my high school transcripts. I took 
AP American History and AP World History, and then I took AP Music Theory and Literature, which actually was, surprisingly, for those listening at home, the hardest of the four tests. It was insanely hard because there was a listening component. Every set, every like two or three questions, they played a piece of music, and then I had two or three questions about that piece of music. So you have to like recognize stuff just from hearing like a 30-second snippet. So that one was really hard. Um, so I took four APs, which was considered a lot back then. Uh, I had many friends who maybe took one, maybe took two. It was really like those of us who were in the honors program at my high school. There were 30 of us in a high school of 5,000 students who were in the honors program, only 30 students. And all of us took APs. But I remember my AP English class, there were eight students. Okay. And that was AP English. Yeah. My AP history classes each had about 10 to 15 students. And I got to admit, it's embarrassing to say, but three or four of the, the girls in those classes admitted they were, even though they were smart enough to take it, they didn't care. They were just there because of how hot the history teacher was. And he was super hot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was the only student to sit for the AP music theory exam. I literally was in the room alone with my... Uh, music teacher and we took it in his office because he didn't want to waste the classroom other people were using the classroom so you know it wasn't like everybody took APs and again I went to an urban high school you know there was a large percentage of the population student body that was low income you know uh, underserved populations etc but it was a school with 5,000 students I mean that's going to generate just on percentage considerations a large number of AP students I thought but not that many. And nowadays, it sounds like students are... T- I have, I know students who've taken 8, 9, 10 APs starting sophomore year. Yeah, they'll take as many as are offered. Uh, at a certain point, when it comes to college admissions, is there a point of diminishing returns? If a student gets more than f- 4 or 5 AP exams, regardless of the results, do colleges start to like not really care about that anymore? I can't speak for the colleges. I would, I would say a lot of it comes down to... Do your scores match your grades? Right. Um, that seems to be the biggest feedback that I actually do hear from admissions counselors is <clears throat> we're seeing a lot of uh, students with straight A's, but the scores are not reflecting that they learn so much in those AP courses. So, the, so getting a, a three or failing the AP exam is a huge negative regardless of the grade you got in the, uh, in the AP course. Yeah, if you get a three, uh, if you get a one and two, I definitely would not put that in your application. Okay. Uh, if you get a three, I would caution on what schools you're applying to to right. include that. Fours and fives, yes. Um, but a three, there's some gray area. Okay. Uh, it's not, like you said, it's not an exceptional score. It's yeah. just kind of right in the middle of the road. Yeah. Um, Technically passing, but not not appealing to admissions officers. Correct. So what about students who take the AP course, but then don't even take the exam? That's a whole other... And that's about one third... I've read an article recently uh, in either Education Week or some other magazine in the industry that that's as many as one third of the students who take AP classes. Yeah, I run into that a lot too, and I don't get it. Um, (laughs) I I understand the idea about showcasing that you're willing to take... um, on a, a tougher course load and being able to show that to colleges. And that does carry some weight and that is helpful in your overall application process uh, package. But um, again, it's helpful to show that you're willing to go the extra mile and to take the extra step to take the test. 
Um, so I think that in conjunction with the test, um, with the class is more helpful than not for college applications. So let's, I mean, a lot of things that we've talked about on the podcast before have to do with theming and, and finding your areas of strength and, and telling your story in a, in a productive manner, sure. you know, building a personal narrative. We've talked a lot about it on a podcast. I, I, I must have done half a dozen episodes on the concept of personal narrative with various different guests. When I, if you listen back to my story, I took AP English to AP History and AP Music Theory, which again was not an easy exam just because it was music. It was super hard. Um, again, a lot of people like look down on the AP Art, AP Music, and poo poo them. But I don't poo poo. No, I, I thank you because <laughs> it was really hard. And it was a great class. Um, but you notice how I didn't take AP Science classes or tests, AP Music. I mean, AP math, which would just been calculus. I didn't do that because I knew I wouldn't do well. Is targeting your APs a, a good strategic choice in your opinion? I think so. I did the same as you. I, I, I was always interested in like social studies and histories and things like that. So my APs were, um, now I'm not going to be able to remember either. AP <laughs> government, I think, and then world history. And you know, the government's another one where people look down on it. And I love that test. Yeah, that was... I mean, it's an area of passion of mine, so I think it's an easy test for me. That doesn't mean it's an easy test. No. Um, but I took those in, A, because I like those courses. Uh, What's the other one besides government you just said? Uh, world history. World history, okay. Uh, but I went on and I knew I was pretty much going to go in this direction. I went to school as a history major. Right. So again, going back to your idea of creating a narrative, uh, I think it's important and it it does come through in the application that, well, of course the student took AP government and history and now they're a history major. These right. things make sense. Um, so being able to try and think ahead you know, sophomore and junior year to maybe what you are going to focus on or go are going to be applying as mm -hmm. uh, for your college major is helpful then on if you want to try and narrow down what APs to take. So right. being able to, again, um, develop a narrative about yourself that is clear and that makes sense for the admission officer that's reading your whole package um, to be able to see kind of the, your, your story unfold for the last three, four years. Right. And not to brag, but I got fours and fives on my AP tests because those are areas where I had an interest. I was good at them already. I had been taking honors classes in them since middle school. Right. That was my areas of strength. So I should do well. So taking AP calculus or an AP biology, 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 there's a larger number that either request them or accept them. Yeah, there's a vast amount that um, I would categorize as recommend. Okay. Um, so when schools recommend things, you tend to do it. Okay. <laughs> um, some, and there's like different degrees of recommend. Some are like, great, you know, we'll check it out. If you did well, that, that'll boost your application. And others are, we really want to see some mm -hmm. SATs. It's not required, but we really want to see it. Okay. Uh, so there is a, is a pretty wide uh, amount of schools that fall into those sort of recommend. And then there is the schools that it, it's completely optional. If there's a school that is maybe not that interested in it, maybe you know, you're not really looking at the most competitive schools that don't seem to really care about it, will taking subject tests help you in any way or could it possibly hurt you? I think it depends on your score. Um, okay. If you do well, then I don't think it can ever hurt you. Um, okay. I think 
even if you do, if, even if you don't have a perfect score and you think, oh shoot, I shouldn't even turn this in. If you've done well enough, it's still a good idea to showcase it because again, it, it shows that you're going the extra mile. You've put in the time and effort to do more than what was even required. Does it matter in general which ones you take? I think it goes back to the whole idea we've been talking about is, is building that narrative. Okay. So take, take, them, take those that help your narrative, that make sense for you, that strengthen your application. Don't just take them because you needed to check off a list. Mm -hmm. Take ones that make sense so that the colleges will, when they're reviewing your application, will basically nod their head. Oh, of course, you know, Jason took the whatever you want to take. Right. A, uh, subject test. I am old enough that the SAT subject tests were called the achievement tests back in the day. I suspect you took them when they were called SAT 2s. 2s, yeah. Yes. So there was an intermediary period where they had the, that name. Now they're called the SAT subject tests, which they've been called since 2005, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I keep calling them SAT 2s. So. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I took them back when they were the achievement tests. And I took the U.S. history. I took the literature test. And I took the writing with essay test, which no longer exists. It's actually now the writing section on the SAT with essay. They absorbed it into the SAT in 2005. So one of the three I took doesn't even exist anymore. That's how old I am. Uh, old man uh, SAT over here. Um, so I see what you're talking about. Like I avoided math and science ones because they were not my thing. Um, I want to bounce something off of you. When it comes to the foreign language ones, I find them to be incredibly challenging. Because yes. think about the literature test or the writing section, which is was the writing test. Um, they're both in English. I grew up in the U.S. I grew up speaking English. My parents spoke English. I feel pretty good about English. I ended up taking an English AP class and AP test. I think it's a strength of mine. I felt pretty comfortable and confident. I am fluent. I would recommend normally that same kind of confidence comfort and fluency in any language if you're going to take a test in it. Agreed. Uh, I think it even has like an asterisk on the college board that you should take this test if if you're that confident because a lot of native speakers take the foreign language. Right. Um, what I use is what I call the parachute test. So I, had a, I came up with this test when I was talking with a student of mine when I lived in California. He was an American born in the U.S. but his parents were immigrants. They came from a uh, Spanish-speaking country. They actually came from Bolivia. And they had emigrated to the U.S., they were citizens, and he was born here, and he was a citizen, and he's now a uh, rising senior. This was the summer before his senior year, and he was we were doing SAT prep for the October test, and he was saying, you know what, I want to do one more subject test because of the schools I'm applying to. In November, I'm going to take the Spanish subject test, unless you tell me not to. So I was like, all right, let me ask you this. If I'm in a plane with you, and you're wearing a parachute and we're flying over Bolivia and I specifically picked Bolivia because that's where his parents were from and I push you out of the plane and you parachute gently and safely to the middle of a tiny village in the middle of nowhere in Bolivia with no money in your pocket, no ID, nothing but you, the clothes you're wearing and that parachute. Could you communicate well enough to get help, get a job, to earn enough money to get to the airport and fly home? He's like, yes, of course. I said, take the test. So. When I talk about this with students, I call it the, the parachute test, and I always mention Bolivia because that's where it kind of started yeah. for me. 
Uh, but that's my parachute test with the foreign language ones. What are your thoughts on that? I never heard the parachute test, but I love it. Please steal it. Uh, yeah, I think I might. Right. Um, yes. But, no, doesn't I... have to be Bolivia. It can be Bulgaria. It can be anywhere. <laughs> well, they don't have a Bulgarian test, but, you know. <laughs> um, no, I totally agree. If, if you're that, you have to be that confident. Because, again, it's, it's, it's mostly, not mostly, but a lot of native speakers are taking the foreign language. So when you say native speakers, you mean like students from Europe or China who are taking these tests so they can apply to college in the U.S. Or they're, you know, they've moved here, like you're a student, they, um, maybe they're the first generation. So we have a lot of students here that have moved, um, you know, middle school or even during high school from China or somewhere else to the area. So they're taking the foreign language test. So their first language that they spoke for 15 years before coming here was X language. And that's who's taking the test. And that's who you're going up against. So one last thing that's kind of occurred to me based on what you were saying. A student in that situation, whether they were born in the U.S. Well, not born in the U.S., but they, whether they came as an elementary or middle school or high school student, but they speak English now because they're a student here. Would, would you still recommend a student like that take the um, TOEFL, which is the test of English as a foreign language, even though they're technically Americans now? Well, it depends when they came. Okay. Um, typically, you need four years of... Um, American schooling to not have to take the TOEFL. Okay. So if they've been here for well over that, I would say you're fine. If they're somewhere in that like edge, then it may be helpful to take it just as a just in case. To, to, to explain why an English score might not be as strong as a math score. Yeah. Yeah. I've had this conversation with a couple of uh, parents and educators, and um, I, for some reason, some folks seem hesitant to take it. They feel it would be a negative for them, but I always think it's a great way to provide more information to colleges, help frame your experience a little bit better, and it helps to help that tell that immigrant story yeah, a I, little bit better. Yeah, I agree. And also, take it. What's the worst that happens if you do poorly? You don't have to report it. Right. Um, so you can, and they offer it just about every month. So yeah. it's pretty easy to, you do have to sign up a, a little bit well in advance. Yeah. Um, but again, it's pretty easy to, to be able to register and take it and then just see what happens. Worst comes to worst, you just yeah. don't report it. Um, or, you know, best case scenario is you have more than to, to add to your narrative. Yeah. I, I always find, I think you're probably going to agree at this point, but I always find, that the more you submit to colleges, whether it's uh, activities and supplementary materials, optional essays that they give you, test scores, the more you give them, the more they have to help build a, a, a three-dimensional picture of you in the admissions process. Yeah, agreed. Anything that's optional, I would say is not. I would say <laughs> you should definitely do it. Right. Uh, and then anything else that you can add that makes sense. You know, you don't want to kind of muddy the waters. Right. Uh, but anything that you can add that makes sense for your entire package, add it. So if a student has all these numbers and they're okay but not amazing, uh, is the fact that they did these extra tests and did these... Um, subject tests and APs and did this extra work, is that at all helpful, even if the scores aren't amazing? Is the doing of them valuable in and of itself is basically my question. Yeah, as long as, again, your scores are kind of above average. If, okay. if your scores are below average, um, does it help? Not necessarily. And again, you don't necessarily want to put that on your application that you got as kind of a low score on any of these AP exams or if on the SAT subjects. 
Um, but as long as your scores are like average to above average, again, depending to where you're applying, then yeah, it, it shows that you've gone above and beyond. Uh, and then again, if you have great scores, it shows that you not only went above and beyond, but that you're scoring well as, as well. So I think to sum up, if you can take AP classes because you're an honors plus student and it will show your attempt to, to add rigor to your educational experience, that's a good thing. Overloading with them is not better. More isn't better. More isn't more. Uh, higher quality is better than quantity in that instance. Subject tests are useful and many schools will accept those scores and many schools want those scores. And again, um, more isn't better. Just take the ones that you feel uh, that we're gonna that are gonna help you. And submitting stuff is good. Uh, submit what you've got, especially if it's gonna help you. Does that sound like a good summation of what we've talked about? Yeah, yeah. More is not always more. So yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. Again, it's just basically about showcasing yourself in the most positive light. So however yeah. that is done through um, grades, scores, tests is is what you want to pursue. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, Leanne, I really appreciate having you on. It's just been great to talk to you these last couple of times. It's been super just educational for me. Great. So thank you so much, and thank you at home for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please remember to heart, star, fave, thumb up, whatever your podcast listening app of choice lets you do. Please remember to share this with your friends, families, coworkers, and if you have enemies, because make them jealous in how smart you are, hit that share sheet and send it out. Remember, people listen to it not in the app, but elsewhere, we still get credit. So we want you to share it with all your friends. Uh, if you want to get these episodes right away, please remember to subscribe. That way they download to your phone or podcast listening device. And that way you can have it ready for your commute, whether you're driving and listening on the uh, computer, the speakers for your car, or you are got those AirPods popped in and you're listening on your subway drive uh, into town. You have it ready for you. If you have any questions, we have a uh, Twitter feed called at Livius Pod. Uh, hopefully, we'll be in the show notes. You'll see the link to Twitter. Ask us questions. We're going to answer them uh, as quickly as we can. And if you get enough, we get enough good questions from you listeners, we're going to do a special episode uh, answering those questions. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, let's keep learning. <laughs>